0: In Romans chapter 15, verse 14, Paul said to the church, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. The word admonish in a dictionary means to warn one another. To us it would mean to show the way of God. To warn one another this is an ungodly way that you're going or to warn one another this is the way to go. Another definition of the word admonish is to reprimand. That's a stronger statement. It even means to drive a person to turn back, to turn from the way that they're going, and for us to go in the way of God. Each of us who belong to God and know the Word of God are able to do this with one another. I've seen Pam Paget do this so many times. There was a woman in her singles class who was a divorced woman and she became engaged to a man in the singles class. Pam went to the divorced woman and told her according to the Bible if you do this you will commit adultery and Pam gave her scriptures Matthew 5:32 First Corinthians 7, 10, 11, Romans 7, verses 1 through 3, Mark 10, in all of these scriptures you will see the same thing. This woman replied to Pam, I don't care what the Bible says, and Pam was terribly shocked. Here is a person attending church in their singles class who doesn't care what the Bible says. We have run into this multiple times. There is a realtor who wanted to rent the house that I have in Texas. Since it wasn't selling, she wanted to rent it. We became acquainted with her, and she identified herself As a Messianic Jew, believing in Jesus, she was a divorced woman and had met a man that she hoped to marry. And Pam warned her, if you marry this man, if you as a divorced woman marry this man, according to the Bible, you will commit adultery. This messianic Jew said to Pam, oh, we have our own doctrine that we go by. I screamed out when Pam told me the story, and I said, there isn't but one doctrine, and that's the Bible. There is no other doctrine, though churches set up other doctrines. We, each of us, in the body of Christ, have knowledge of God in us. It's so important to bring admonitions, not just to the body of Christ, but to individuals who are not Christians. My cousin and her two adult-age sons visited me I found out that one of the, the unmarried adult-age son had met a divorced woman that he was dating. At the dinner table, I found this out, and I said, according to the Bible, if you marry a divorced woman, you will commit adultery. That's all I said to him. He did marry her, They had one child, and then they divorced. But I warned him, and he wasn't even a Christian. I met a man once who said, I never read the Bible, because if I read the Bible, I would have to do what it said. Well, he was closer to God than many people in churches who think they can read the Bible and cast it all away from them. Paul said he was not guilty of the blood of others because he brought to them every word of God. That's in Acts chapter 20. God showed me Ezekiel chapter 3 to motivate me to warn people. God said to the prophet Ezekiel, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Now, God was preparing me also to be a prophet, but I seen Pam Padgett do this, and she's not a prophet. She warns people with godly warnings. So, I really believe we should do this, admonish one another in the church and... I wouldn't want to be guilty of knowing the way of God and letting them go to hell in the world. So even though I'm certainly not an evangelist who speaks to the world, I still speak to the world. If I see them going away, that's ungodly. Often I will speak to the world, let me say that. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. So when I heard that my cousin's son was dating a divorced woman, I warned him by the Bible. The Bible says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So what is God telling me? You have warned him by the Bible with a godly warning. If something bad happens to him, his blood, you're not guilty of his blood. This is what God gave to me back when I was first born again to show me to warn them. Verse 19. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Verse 20. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sins. And his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. A great many times I have warned people in the churches. I've warned the, so to speak, righteous man the Bible teacher at Word of Faith when I attended that church in the early 80s. He was a divorced man. He was our Bible teacher. He did many good things. Every time he taught the Bible class, he always said, does anyone have a word from the Lord? He opened the door for us to speak the word of God to the Bible class. That was very good. But then I heard about his girlfriend. None of us knew he had a girlfriend. I went to him and I said, tell me about this girlfriend. And he sort of beat around the bush. I point blank said, are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? He said, of course. I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you anymore. He said, that's right. He knew 1 Corinthians 5. Do you know what God says in 1 Corinthians 5? We'll read it. Paul says in verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Verse 13. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. This was our Bible teacher. I told him, I said, I can't have anything to do with you anymore. I can't come to your Bible classes anymore. I put him away from me. Later, well, he he wrote me and he told me that fornication was no longer a problem to him. He indicated that his flesh had been eaten up. Paul says to the elders of the church, or rather, I think it was the elders, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I believe the hope that they have is that their flesh is destroyed because in this case this was a fornicator in the church. And Paul was speaking to the church about what to do with this fornicator. Today, the way the churches are, they want to forgive the fornicator and pray for him. Paul said, put him away, put him out of the church, turn him over to Satan. Well, we might not have the power to put a Bible teacher out of the church we attend, but we certainly have the power to walk away from him and have nothing more to do with him. And I believe by doing that, we do turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, hoping that his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord. For in Hebrews 10 and three other sections of Scripture, we read that if a man who knows the truth from God returns to his sin there is no more sacrifice for that sin jesus does not give his life twice for that sinful person start at verse 25 it says exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of the lord approaching for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer judgment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy? Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that saith, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The apostle Peter said it would have been better for them never to have known the way of truth than to have returned to that sin, Second Peter chapter 2. But he said it's, it's the proverb that the dog has returned to his vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. We also have another section of scripture which says it is impossible to restore them when they return to their previous sins. That is in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So we who know the truth admonish them, warn them, reprimand them. When we see them going a way opposite to the truth of God as presented in the Holy Bible Paul said be not deceived the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God today a lot of preachers preach God loves you and of course he forgives you and he wants you to be happy So of course you can marry a divorced woman. Of course a divorced woman can remarry. Of course we accept homosexuals and lesbians into the church. God loves you. Often they will use the scripture where Jesus says to the woman taken in adultery that he did not condemn her. But they leave out the part where Jesus says, go and sin no more. You can't be a part of the church without seeing that what you're doing is a sin. And when you see it's a sin, you must turn from the sin and not do that anymore. And as long as you live on the earth, you avoid those sins. For if you return to it after you know the truth that it is a sin, there's no more sacrifice for sin the only hope really that I see is that they are turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Concerning homosexuals and lesbians, Romans chapter 1, start at verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them up over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So we have knowledge of the truth and we warn those who are going a way that is opposite from the way of God. We must not Go along with the world. Renew your mind to the word of God. Paul says, be not conformed to this world and their thinking, but renew your mind to the word of God. Keep the word of God before your mind. Go in the way of God. If you're in the midst of a temptation of any kind, You can turn to God, right, in the midst of the temptation and say, Oh no, God, please don't let me do this. Please don't let me say this. I've many times turned to God that way. I've wanted to say something to a person, not something godly, but something else that would not be edifying. And I've said to to God, Please don't let me say this. One time I wanted to say to my neighbors, what do you think about the election? Well, that's not going to make anyone godly. That's going to stir up the fires of hell. And I didn't want to say that. And yet my flesh wanted to say that. And I just turned to God while I sat with him and said, please help me. And finally I got up and left and went home. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. If we want to escape the temptation, there is a way to escape it that God puts in front of us. Many people do not want to escape the temptation. They want to tell a person off. They want to speak things that are not godly, that will stir up hell. And election is one of them, political elections. They want to bring to the people something other than edification and the grace of God. I had been studying a scripture before this election situation happened, and that was two elections ago. But I had been studying a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and I knew it would not be edifying if I asked the question, what do you think about the election? But I sure wanted to. Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building the people up in the faith in God, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, wherein ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We don't want to disappoint God and we don't want to sin and we don't want to hurt other people. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If I speak that, will it edify the church? Will it build the church? If I speak that, will it minister grace unto the hearers? I visited Baptist Church one time several years ago. I was looking for a church to attend. I visited a Baptist Church. At the beginning of the service, the pastor said, we've had the week, this has been the week of the youth retreat, and we have a film that you are going to see. So the young man in charge was given charge of the church gathering, and he showed this film of their youth retreat. He showed girls with rollers in their hair and young men taking towels and flipping them on the rear end of the young women and chasing them around the room. And that's the type of thing he showed. There was nothing at all edifying about He showed. I went to the pastor with this and I said to him, I was in your church service this morning. When they showed that film, all things that we do in the gathering of the church are supposed to be edifying. That film was not edifying to the church, it did not show us the way of God or build us in the faith or do anything to strengthen us. And he said, well, I liked it. I spoke something else to him, and he said, I've been doing this 23 years. I know what I'm doing. And I said, well, I believe I've said all that I need to say to you. You see, this man's blood's not on my hand, because I went to him. When we see someone, especially in the church, doing something wrong, when we see it, when God shows it to us, we have a responsibility to admonish that person, which means to warn that person, to try to turn that person back to God, to godly ways. To cause that person to think about what he's doing. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.